Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. What just happened, guys, is there's some people that's been going through some things. You heard knee pain called out. That's a word of knowledge. The word of knowledge comes from the Holy Spirit. Guys, the Holy Spirit is just as real as I'm sitting here looking at you today. Amen. Guys, the power doesn't come from Brother Pat. The power doesn't come from Pastor Cornelius. It doesn't come from the prayer team. The power comes from the Holy Spirit, sweet Holy Spirit. Guys, when Jesus was on the cross, he was nailed, right? And when he said, it is finished, the very next verse, you see, he went down and the Bible says that he gave up the. Why did he give up the ghost? Because I remember the times, Sister Amber, when he looked at the disciples and he said that I have to leave, right? I got to go, but I'm sending another to you and he shall do greater and mightier things, right? So I believe that when he was on the cross and he said, it is finished. See, Jesus' purpose was to shed the blood for your sins. That was Jesus' purpose. The Holy Spirit was there all along in the beginning. The Holy Spirit was there. See, Jesus' purpose was to die for you because he could be made whole. He could, back in Leviticus, the people of Israel, you can have your seats. You can have your seats. Amen. I brought my rag today, y'all. I got my rag. Y'all know I be sweating up here sometimes. I got my rag today. Amen. I told Brother Cedo earlier, I said, Brother Cedo, I'm taking my rag. He said, oh, it's going to be a long day. It ain't going to be too long, y'all. All right. But back in Leviticus, the children of Israel would have to take sacrifices. Lamb sacrifices, oxen, cows, whatever it may be, whatever God told them, whatever was fitting for whatever they were praying for, they had to take sacrifices and put those upon altars, right? Well, I believe that when God was was looking at our sin, he destroyed the earth one time before. When Noah was here with the ark, right? And I I believe that God didn't want to just destroy us again. God has a merciful heart. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Guys, when God created us, he didn't create us in regret. He didn't create us in shame. He didn't create us because he knew we were going to mess up and he just wished he didn't know. As a matter of fact, God, the Bible says that God was pleased with his creation. He was pleased with man. We were created in his image. So I believe that instead of destroying the earth again, I believe God said, I got to do something. The Bible says that Satan is seeking amongst the earth, seeking whom he may devour like a roaring lion. Satan is seeking across this church, seeking across the community of McCullough Christian Center, seeking across the city of Atmore, seeking across the United States of America, all in Eastern Europe. You see the war that's going on right now. You see the problems in Yemen. You see the problems in the Middle East. Satan is seeking like a roaring lion. Why does a lion go and seek and hunt? Because he is hungry. And the lion knows that if he don't eat, eventually he's going to starve to death. But I've come to tell, see, Satan don't want to go after the people he's already got that ain't no good food 
When you eat, you want some good food. You want something that's going to please your stomach. Satan's wanting something that's going to please his stomach. You think Satan wants an alcoholic that's already down there that's going to please his stomach? No, what's going to please his stomach is a Christian that is trying their hardest to make it and make it into the kingdom of heaven. And the devil keeps trying to beat them and beat them and beat them and beat them. And he wants to eat them alive. But I've come to tell Satan today that one day Jesus is going to come back and there's not going to be any more Christians left on this earth for him to seek and try to devour I believe God said you know what I got to get rid of this problem the people they're they're not ready for what he's he's doing Satan he he was an archangel y'all he had powers beyond mankind's possession and I believe God said I got to do something to make a way an easier way isn't that amazing God made an easier way for us to get to heaven Right? Can you imagine now today having to live the way that they had to live in the wilderness? Having to live back in Leviticus? Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, Brother Pat has a hard time sometimes fasting for two days. I don't know if I could have made it doing all them things, Pastor Cornelius. Right? I love some pork chop. They didn't eat no pork. Oh, Lord, I would have needed some help. Amen? But God made an easier way. So he looked at his son, right? The way I look at it is this. I believe God took a piece of him, right, when he made Jesus in the beginning. Before us, Jesus was there. I believe God had a piece of him and created flesh, created man, created an image of him in his very own image. And said, this is going to be my son, right? And I'm going to conceive him into a virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit. Why does she have to be a virgin? Because virginity describes pureness, purity, right? So even though Jesus was born in the flesh, he was still born through a pure woman. So now this made the flesh part of the birth to be pure. This made the spiritual part of the birth to be pure because the Holy Spirit is the one that came and birthed him. So now God says, I have the perfect equation. The perfect equation. So now I'm going to take Jesus, I'm going to place him upon this cross, and as I place him upon this cross, the blood that leaks out of Jesus Christ is going to take the place of the blood of the lambs and the cows and the oxen and the goats and the sheep and everything that they had to lay down in Leviticus. Because this blood cannot be altered. This blood cannot be messed with. This blood is going to please me no matter what. Because when this blood begins to drip, the aroma that comes from this blood is going to be the aroma that comes from the Holy Spirit. I've come to tell you today, McCullough, the blood was shed for you. You need to get out of the sin that you're living in. And you need to take a hold to this blood and say, I want eternal life. It's here today. Brother Pat, I don't know if I can do it. Let me tell you something. I love smoking weed just as much as probably P. Diddy or Snoop Dogg. If Jesus Christ can take me off of smoking weed, he can take you out of the situation that you're in. Brother Pat, I don't know if I can quit drinking alcohol. By God, you can quit drinking alcohol when you begin to drink from the cup that overflows because it'll give you something more than you've ever imagined. No, this isn't a condemnation type deal today. No, this is me trying to show you there is a better life for you and your family. There's a better life, guys. There is a better life. 
and it's here for you today. Amen. How's everybody doing today? That was my chance to use my rag right there, Pastor. I love using this rag. One time I went to Mount Vernon and I was preaching, and I was like, in the name of Jesus, in the name of, and in a minute I caught myself, and I was just using my rag, I just started throwing it. I was like, I got to get rid of this thing, they're going to think I'm trying to hit them with the rag. Amen. First and foremost, I want to thank McCullough Christian Center, all my friends and family, I got a bunch of faces that I work with in here today. Thank you guys for coming, y'all give them a hand clap. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank everyone for coming. Bunch of friends and family, Mama Ruth, her family, the Fretwell family in the house today. Thank you guys for coming. Amen. My beautiful wife, Taya. I don't know how she made it, how she put up with me. Amen. But she does. Amen. I praise God for my wife. I praise God for Pastor and, and his wife allowing me to get up here and share what God's put on my heart. So I promise you I'm going to get into this message, okay? I'm not going to stand up here and talk for an hour like I like to do. But before I get in this message, I told Brother Cito, man, I got a pretty cool joke. Y'all want to hear it? Is that okay? Can I tell y'all a joke? Ty, can I tell the joke, Ty? All right, Ty said yes, so I'm going to tell the joke. All right, so here's the joke. You may laugh, you may not. All right, but I just feel like I need to tell this, kind of open things up. That was pretty rough right there. I'm sorry about that. No, I'm not sorry. All right, so I'm glad to be back. We went to Lookout Mountain a couple weeks ago. How many has been to Lookout Mountain? A lot of people in here, right? We went to Lookout Mountain a couple weeks ago, and, man, the whole time I was up there, I was just, like, kind of out of place. You know, like, I'm from Mobile, Citronelle. I'm used to the plains. I'm used to flat ground, right? I'm not used to rocks, Brother Jack. And as I was driving, I seen a sign, and it said, Fallen Rocks. I didn't say it to Taylor, but I was thinking in my head, Taylor, I don't know if we need to go up this mountain. <laughs> I don't know if this is the right one. So I was like, I was wondering, why do they call it Lookout Mountain, right? I had a dream, actually, a year ago that we were going to Lookout Mountain before we even knew it. And we'd seen all five states. And I looked at my father-in-law, and I said, I said, Brother Scott, I said, what would happen if all five of these states caught on fire, right? At the time, I was thinking naturally, but it was spiritually. Well, we went to Lookout Mountain, and we were driving around the curves, and I'm thinking, why do they call this place Lookout Mountain? Well, it may be because the states are up there. As soon as I'd go around the curve, a car would come. Taya was half asleep. She's over there like this, and I'm driving. As soon as a car would come around the curve, Taya would pop up. Look out! I said, oh, I know why they call it Lookout Mountain now. Because every curve we went around, Taya was saying, look out! That's why I don't drive the youth bus, by the way. Amen. <laughs> Pastor, you should have let me get up here. Hallelujah. Okay, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Joshua. I'm so thankful for you guys today. I love you. Amen. I feel like the words, uh, the Lord's got a word for us. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. Joshua chapter 4, verse 21. Can we get it? We're going to get it over here, too, up here. If you could, let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Amen. If everybody could, if you're able. I'm going to pray before I read this. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I ask you, Father, to hide me behind the cross. Lord Jesus, I pray that you move today. I pray, Lord, that lives are touched. Lord, thank you for the, the movement and the miracles that you've already performed. 
Lord Jesus, I pray that if there's a lost soul in here today, Lord, I pray that you save them. I pray, God, that you give the, the sheep what they need today, God. God, I pray that you, you hurt us together and protect us from all attacks of the enemy. And God, I pray that your word goes forth and feeds the people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, well, if we was in the youth room, I'd say, now everybody say, and they'd say, amen. That's how we get down up there, amen. You can trust me, pops. You can trust me. All right, Joshua chapter 4, verse 21. And it says this, And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Amen. You can have your seats. So I want to title this message, The Crossover. I think we got a picture of something up there with the crossover on it. So I want you guys to look at this picture. The crossover. All right. Does everybody know what that is right there? That's the Ark of the Covenant, okay? It's very significant that the Ark of the Covenant is here in this picture with this message, okay? So the reason why I called it the title of the message, The Crossover, is because it subtopics into elevating your walk with Jesus, elevating your life, and crossing over into your promise. So how many knows that sometimes... We know what we're called to do. We know what we're chosen to do. But it seems like there's an obstacle that is standing in our way, right? We've seen already there were signs up here in front of the youth group of different sins and different things that grapple to hold to lives, right? And, guys, we can be as sanctified and saved as we want to be. And you can continue to hide your problems. But the more that you can continue to hide your problems, the more that the devil is going to dig a deeper hole for you to climb in. Right? The biggest way, guys, to defeat your problems is not hiding them in the darkness, but bringing them to the light. And when I say bringing them to the light, I don't mean standing up and saying, Pastor Cornelius, I battle this or I battle this. I mean taking your problems and looking at the light of the world. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world, right? He, he's the light. He's the light amongst all things. You take your problems, you take them out of the darkness, and you bring them to light. Because when he shines amongst your problems, every Every devil, I think about on the old movies, the witches, whenever the light used to hit them, they'd start to screech and they'd start to scream and they would begin to melt. I believe that when you take your problem, Sister Mallory, and you say, you know what? There's an altar invitation. Pastor just gave an altar invitation. Let me sit here. Ah, I'm going to go home. I'm going to get me some good black eyed peas. I'm going to eat some good cornbread. But come Monday morning, I know I'm going to wake up to go to work and I'm going to be battling anger. I'm going to be battling fear. I'm going to be battling depression. I'm going to be battling anxiety. Guys, the more you continue to hold on to those things as the altar call is made or as Jesus is pressing on your heart, the more you're going to continue to let it bury you. But when you hear the altar call made or when you hear pastor get up here and say, come and give your problems to Jesus. Guys, we don't need to continue just to sit there. 
It's time for us as a church, guys, even if you're not battling anything, you can always pray for this church. It's time for us as a church when pastor says, you know what, I want to invite you to the altar. You say, yep, I'm going to be the first one up there. I'm going to get my prayer time in. That's how we got to be, guys. If we as a church ever want to cross over into the full promise that God has destined for this church. Guys, this is not the full promise. This is just half of it. I don't even know if it's half. We have the building. We have the people. But, guys, there's millions out there. There's billions out there. We know men out there every day that's dying on these streets because they're shooting each other or they're selling drugs. They're having drug problems. They may not even be having drug problems. You got millionaires, Brother Carl, that is dying every day in their house because their relationships are falling apart and they're living in misery. But I've come to tell you today that we as a church can rise up. Just as that song said, there's an army rising up and we can take our sword, Sister Mallory, and we can say no weapon formed against ye shall prosper but meet defeat you can look at them and you can say i know a man who can change your situation amen so when we look at the crossover we read that the children of israel joshua was speaking to them and he was telling them what ye mean of these stones so if you look in chapter three of the book of joshua going into chapter four you'll see that god told joshua to tell the officers right of the children of Israel. Tell the officers to go and to tell the children that when they see the priest, the Levitical priest, grab the Ark of the Covenant, it is time to get your things and remove yourself from this place. So the officers walked around and they told the children of Israel, all right, when the Levitical priests begin to grab the Ark of the Covenant, it's going to be time for us to move. They're not running at this point from something. Guys, they're running to something. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years now. How many know sometimes we can get comfortable in the wilderness? I don't know if y'all hearing me today. Sometimes we can get comfortable in our sin because we don't have to move out of our comfort zone, right? We can sit there and we can say, you know what? Uh, maybe I'll get it right later. Maybe I'll get it right later. Maybe I'll get it right later. What if later don't come and now is now and it's time for you to say, you know what? Pastor Cornelius has got a hold of the ark. Brother Pat, he's got a hold of the ark. The prayer team's got a hold of the ark. The sound system's got a hold of the ark. Friend, I'm telling you, you've been called to be involved in this church too. They got a hold to the ark. It's time for you to go and get a hold to the ark too. Get your stuff together. And it's time for us to remove ourselves from this place of comfortability. Sin is comfortable. Why is sin comfortable? Because it pleases your flesh. Why is walking with God sometimes seem uncomfortable? Because we're so used to walking in our flesh, we ain't even never realized or even known what it's like to walk in the Spirit. Guys, when you walk in the Spirit, money matters, but in a sense it don't matter because the Bible says that He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider. Guys, when you walk in the Spirit... Sickness matters, but it don't matter because it says he's Jehovah Rapha, which means he's the Lord, our healer. 
Guys, whenever you're walking in the spirit, uh, 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 problems in your relationship and fights and arguments, it matters, but it don't matter. Because the Bible says that he's Jehovah Shalom, which means he's the Lord, our peace. It's not hard. You don't have to walk around and no, it's right here. Well, Brother Pat, that's very uncomfortable. I don't think that I've got a hold to that all the way. Guys, we just said that Jesus said it is finished. He gave up the ghost. God said, Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, I'm sending a comforter. The Father's going to send a comforter to comfort you. So, guys, even though it feels like getting out of this place, you've been sitting in Shittim, that's what it was called, for way too long. Listen to me. You've been sitting in the place that you're in today for way too long. Well, Brother Pat, I think I'm just supposed to sit on this chair and not do anything at all. No, you are supposed to stand up, men. Listen to me. You're supposed to stand up and lead your children to the kingdom of heaven. Listen to me, women. You're supposed to get behind your husband and pray for them and lay hands on them and when they're hungry you feed them when they're thirsty you give them something to drink uh, and you make sure they got what they need and men in order for them to do that for you the bible says that you love your wife as christ loved the church how much did christ love the church he loved it so much that he died for it that is how we get out of shit we're about to move out of Shittim today. Are you ready, McCullough Christian Center? The Lord's going to do something at the end of this service. I believe it. We're going to move out of Shittim, all right? So the, the officers went and they told the children of Israel, when they get the ark, get ready to move. So the time came. The Levitical priest, they grabbed the ark of the covenant. And it was time to move. I'm pretty sure that when it was time to move, that some of the children of Israel... We're afraid. I'm pretty sure that some of the children of Israel was like, man, I got so much stuff. How am I supposed to get all this stuff on my camel? I don't know if he can carry all this. Right? But they knew that if they didn't move, the rest of the children of Israel are moving. If they didn't move, they were going to get left behind. Now, we're so close. They were so close at this very moment to crossing into the promised land. It was so close they could almost see it. Can you imagine being so close to your promised land? And when I say promised land, that means you're calling. And you don't even have to get up here and preach in front of millions. Guys, that just simply means you taking your children. And just look, look Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, child. I want you to follow him. Daddy's going to follow him. I want you to follow him because he's coming one day. And we're going to go and we're going to have eternal life in heaven. Guys, there's going to be no better feeling in the world than looking at your babies. And when you're in heaven and you're saying, you know what? It paid off. You know what? They're not burning in hell. You know what? Uh, here they are, my children. Whenever you're here in church and you see your children at the altars, you see them singing, you see them praising, it's going to pay off. Let me tell you something. You're not just living for Jesus, men, for yourselves. You're living for Jesus, for your wives, for your children, and the generations to come. I'm not just beating up on the men today. All right? Women also... If your man is trying to live for Jesus, don't kick against the pricks. 
your man's out there gathering up the tent because the priest got the Ark of the Covenant. Mikola Christian, they've grabbed the Ark of the Covenant. The glory is in the hands. And, and your husband is trying to say, honey, we're about to be there. We're about to get to the Ark of the Covenant. We're getting there. We're getting there. Come on, baby. We got to get our stuff together. Don't sit there and say, well, I'm trying to get ready. I'm trying to get these things together. No, you say, baby, I'm ready to reach the promised land just as bad as you. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to grab my pots. I'm going to grab my pans. I'm going to grab the stove if I got to grab it. I'm going to grab the dog if they had dogs back then. And I'm going to get them together And I'm going to be walking right behind you I said God's doing something in the families today Yeah There's going to be families in this church today That's going to be stronger when we lead this church Amen We're going to come together as one family Because all of the families individually Has come together And said you know what We're going to grab a hold of this thing We're going to walk with Jesus Well brother Pat I don't know if my husband I don't know if my wife is Saved. Let me tell you something. The Bible speaks of one spouse, right? A woman living for the Lord can lead her husband to Jesus. Don't ask me, ask Sister Danielle Kuhn. Huh? Don't ask me, ask somebody. It ain't even got to be them. Ask somebody else in here, Sister Tina. Ask somebody else in here that, that what they were living right. Their husband was way out there. It looked like there wasn't no hope. They were stuck doing all those things. But there was a woman of God that said, okay, Lord, you got me here. And you promised me these words. Lord, I'm not going to move. I'm going to sit right here. And, I, Lord, I want to reach this promise. I got to get out of shit Lord. And, Lord, in order for me to get out of shit and to reach this promise, Lord, I need you to get my husband. Wake him up. Amen. Wake him up. Grab his attention hallelujah and tell him it's time for us to go he will what do you got to lose let me ask you this question what do you got to lose by living for Jesus what you can't lose anything living for Jesus what do you got to lose living for the world everything Money, my soul, my family. I've seen more marriages torn apart because of the world feeding things into their relationship. But I've seen some marriages come back together because the everything of Jesus Christ has been fed into that relationship. Amen. So now the priest, they got the Ark of the Covenant. And when you look at that, I want to tell you a little bit about the Ark of the Covenant. Amen. The Ark of the Covenant was a, a, a symbolization of God's glory. God instructed the children of Israel to build this Ark. The Ark would be a representation of His glory. It would be a place where His glory would reside. And in the middle of the Ark, there are two cherubims. Those two cherubims, see, in heaven... God has these angels that are literally guardian angels. That's where we get the guardian angel from. There are, there's, I think it's seven different types of angels in heaven. These angels all have a specific job. There are angels that sit in front of God and they guard the mercy seat. 
What God was showing them, this is a representation. I'm going to build this on this ark of these angels guarding the mercy seat. What does that mean, guys? I believe that's very similar and, and, and it's important to us because it lets us know that when we make that decision that we want to come to the altar and we're ready to receive mercy, there's no devil in hell that can stop you from reaching the mercy seat because God says there's two angels that is guarding the mercy seat. And what we don't realize is those two angels, I believe, just like in the Garden of Eden, they got a big old fiery sword. And when a devil tries to come near, slice them up. Call me crazy if you want. It worked for me. It worked for some of other people. Man, he's talking all that crazy noise. It's real. Get in there. You'll see. Amen. The Ark of the Covenant contained a golden jar of manna, which was a golden jar of bread. Aaron's staff, which was the staff that helped the children of Israel, and the Ten Commandments. What does the jar of manna represent? The jar of manna represented how God sustained the children of Israel in the wilderness. The jar of manna represented how the children of Israel were walking in the wilderness and they were hungry. They were thirsting to death. They were about to die. They was at their breaking point. They've had snakes attack them. The sun is scorching hot and at nighttime it's really cold and they don't have anything to eat. But I know one thing. I remember when God told Moses, go and hit that rock. Pop! And he hit it and water started gushing out. I remember when the children of Israel didn't have anything to eat and God rained bread down from heaven. I'm here to tell you today that God will sustain you when you don't have anything. Don't believe me? Just try him. Aaron's staff. What did Aaron's staff represent? I believe that Aaron's staff represented that whenever the hard times come, you hold up the word of God. You hold up the promises of God. And no matter what you're looking at, no matter the seed that you're looking at, no matter the snake that the Pharaoh tries to throw down at you, God has that rod for you. And you hold it up mighty strong and mighty powerful. And you say, you know what? The attacks are coming. I'm looking at a red sea right here, but I'm going to hold it up and God's going to move it out of my way the Bible says that Aaron's staff began to turn like into almonds right it began to produce protein Ooh. oh we about to jump in there some of you are at your point spiritually you feel like you got no more muscle you feel like you've broken down you feel like you're ready to give up Aaron's staff is still in the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron's staff has been given to you and your family to produce protein. And I'm telling you that if you'll come today and you'll say, God, I need your strength. God, I need help. God, I need you to help me through this situation. I believe it may not be real almonds falling out of your pockets, but I believe spiritually that there'll be some strength that's pumped into you. There'll be the blood of Jesus Christ that flows down your veins. Just like the Bible says it goes down, that song it says goes down Emmanuel's veins. I, re- I- I believe that the strength will come on you and come amongst your family. And if you don't believe me, come down here today and let the Holy Spirit touch you and let him show you that he will produce protein in your life, in your spiritual life. And the final thing, the Ten Commandments. What does the Ten Commandments represent? I believe the Ten Commandments represent when God, at the children of Israel, their lowest point, 
their breaking point. God called Moses up to the mountain to give him the way for the children of Israel to live. As Moses was upon this mountain, the children of Israel had built themselves a golden calf, an idol, and were worshiping this golden calf. But didn't realize the whole time that the man of God's on top of the mountain getting a revelation. I've said that to say this, guys. When the man of God is getting a revelation and it seems like the church is being stale. It seems like the church ain't going nowhere. It seems like my family ain't getting no breakthrough. It seems like my husband ain't coming nowhere near home. It seems like my wife is still fighting against me. The man of God is upon the mountain and he's getting the revelation. We got a pastor. I know he seeks God. I know he goes into a place where he prays. Let me tell you something. When that time is there and it feels like nothing is going on, don't build yourself an idol and begin to worship the golden calf or begin to speak death on yourself situation don't sit there and say it's never gonna happen you're worshiping your problem at that point you got to believe that the man of God is on the mountain he's getting a revelation and God though they slay me shall I serve you and God when my problem is fixed shall I still serve you worship God the man of God is on the mountain Pastor Cornish you about to be on a mountain I don't know where y'all going but you're about to be on a mountain getting a revelation amen and while he's on that mountain let's worship when the worship songs come on, you may not have no rhythm. Come up here and still worship. You may not have no beat in your heart. Come up here and still worship. Amen? That was the revelation. So now we see this. Children of Israel are moving. They're coming out of Shittim. God told Joshua that as the priest of Israel, the Levitical priest, all right, they were going to walk. Now, they're, they're looking where they got to get, and the Jordan River is right in the middle of them, okay? They got to get to the other side of this thing in order to get to their promise. The, God told uh, Joshua to tell the priest, you know, to walk into the water. When you get to the brink of the water, stand still, all right? The Bible says that when the priests walked to the brink of the water and they stood still, it said that all the waters that was leading to the Jordan River, it said that they were cut off. They were cut off and no more water came to the Jordan River. It eventually began to separate and everything that was in there began to dry up. And the priest had to stand still. I'm telling some daddies in here today, you got to go to the brink of the water. You got to come to the brink, set your feet in this water and say, I'm going to serve the Lord for my family to get across this Jordan. Set your feet down there and say, I will not be moved. You know why they sing the old song? Just like a tree planted by the water, I shall not be moved. Because when a tree is on a, on a side bank of the river, it's staying there. It ain't going nowhere. That water's flowing, but that tree is staying right where it is. I'm telling somebody today, you got to take your feet, you got to set it in this ground, and you got to say, I'm going to live for Jesus no matter what, and watch this water be dried up. Amen? So where the priest's feet stood... God told Joshua, take some stones, all right? Take your 12 men, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Take 12 stones from where their feet were. And when you all cross this place, when you all cross this river, I want you to take these stones and I want you to place them where you lodge it. And I'm going to give you the revelation behind these stones. 
So then when you read on into, the, the, into chapter 4, it tells you why they got the stones. The reason why they got the stones is because it was a memorial, all right? The stones was representing that one time when I was looking at a Jordan River. It seemed like I couldn't get across it because there was a Jordan right there. I remember that one time. Can you imagine two uh, Israelites talking to each other? They're just sitting there and they're like, bro. They're, they reach the promise and they're like, bro, you remember that time we was looking at the Jordan River and, and priest, whatever his name is, stepped in that water and the whole thing just split. Yeah, bro, I remember that, bro. That's crazy. Imagine telling your, your children that. It happened. Imagine telling your children that. Right? So God told them to get these stones, not for the children that seen it happen, Pastor, but as the blessing song said, generations, generations, and your families, and their children, and their children, and their children, and their children. I don't know about you, but I care about Trevin's children. I care about their children, and I care about their children. What do I care about them? I care that they reach the kingdom of heaven. So what did these stones represent? It? These stones represented the one time we were looking at the Jordan River. We didn't have no way to get across, but the, the priests put their feet in the water. The water was dried up so now we're going to take these stones we're going to place them the bible says and, and i even believe some scholars i think i looked up say that them stones today can be found somewhere these stones are still alive today you see these stones they represent that one time we couldn't make it across this river but yet god dried up the water so whenever the generations and generations to come are walking by these stones and they say, Daddy, what does these stones represent? Son, these stones represent that one time our people was trying to get to the promised land. That one time we couldn't get there, but God dried up the water. What are you trying to say, Brother Pat? Your addiction, your anger, your fear, your depression, your anxiety. Is all sitting in this Jordan River. And God is telling you that all you got to do is walk and put your feet in this brink of water. And if you'll put your feet in this brink of water, He'll take your depression. He'll take your addiction. He'll take your anxiety. He'll take your family. He'll take everybody that's causing issues in your life. And he'll dry it all up. And finally, you can see eternal life. You can see heaven. Now the water is dried up. Listen to me, friend. All you got to do at this very point is get out your seat and walk across this Jordan River and get out of Shittim because you don't belong there anymore. Friend, it's time to move. It is time to move. Now, before I close, I want you to look at Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass, when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, Heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel. Until we were passed over. That their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore. Because of the children of Israel. Ha. Come on now. I don't know if you catch that. Because God dried up the river. 
The children of Israel just walked across a river. We got people in this promised land. Come on now, not everybody's for you. I don't know if you heard that. Not everybody in your circle is for you today, amen. They're sitting on your promise and they don't want you to make it. Hallelujah. But God has dried up the river, the obstacle that stopped you from getting to the promise. And the Bible said because they walked across a river, the Canaanites which were by the sea heard the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan and their heart melted. Your problem will melt. The demon that is attacking your family will melt. And the Bible said that the spirit was not with him. It wasn't in them anymore. What does that mean? If you'll step in the water, walk across this river, take your problem and lay it down. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better wife. I'm going to be a better friend. I'm going to be a better daddy. I'm going to be a better mama. I'm going to be a better uh, person that comes to this church and, and helps the pastor and helps the family, helps the different organizations. I'm going to be that person that no longer speaks death but speaks positive things. And I'm going to take my feet and I'm going to get out of this sin, out of shit I'm going to put it in the brinks of water. And because I walk across this river, my problems are going to look at me seeing my God just worked a miracle and it's going to dry up and my problem will not live there anymore. In order for you to get rid of your problem, you got to leave it. You got to leave it. I know your problem looks big. I know your faith looks small. But I know your God is big.